0: we are starting a new series this morning on the 10 commandments and uh it's a series i forget how many sessions we're doing in this series but i believe it's 10 um and as steve says uh we are not doing uh one in the right order every single week so if if the ocd in you just requires them to be in the right order maybe you could invent some time machine or something to experience them in the right order but um yeah We'll we'll do them in an order. This morning, you'll be pleased to know commandment number one and an introduction. So let's have a little look at the Ten Commandments. I'm going to read to you from Exodus 20, uh, where you'll find the Ten Commandments written down. God spoke all these words. Brilliant. So you know the source of where they're coming from. It says at the beginning of chapter 20, God spoke all these words. punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord your God will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day it's a Sabbath day uh, to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son nor daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the seas and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day." Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honour your father and your mother, so that you may live long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbour you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. When the people saw the thunder and the lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen. But, Do not have God speak to us or we will die. This bit's not on screen, but I think it's important for us today to realize what happened in the context just after these Ten Commandments were given. Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. We've heard that one before. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. The people remained at a distance. And while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. And then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites, you have seen for yourselves that I have spoken to you from heaven. Do not make any gods to be alongside me. Do not make for yourselves gods of silver or gods of gold. Instead, make an altar of earth for me and sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, your sheep, your goats, your cattle. Wherever I cause my name to be honored, I will come to you, and bless you. If you make an altar of stones for me, don't build it with dressed stones, for you will defile it if you use a tool on it. And do not go up to my altar on steps, or your private parts may be exposed." Interesting way to finish off the chapter. There we go. Don't go up the steps wearing your robe because, you know, rudeness. So, uh, yeah. I love that last, not that last bit, but, you know, the, the, the bit before it of, of you've got all these gods made of stuff and people are bowing down to, to their own work, their own creativity and their own creation. And God's saying, seriously, just pile up a bunch of earth. And if you're using rocks, don't even dress them up with chisels and decorate them. Just use rocks. My creation is good. You know, what I've done for you is good. And make your sacrifice there because it's not about the ornateness of it. Praise the Lord, it's not about the ornateness of it. Am I right? But it's about the heart that comes uh, through that act of, um, of sacrifice. And you're going to see that an awful lot over the next little while. We're going to hear echoes throughout the Ten Commandments of Jesus' own teaching Especially the phrase, I believe, you have heard it said, but I say. Happens an awful lot. You have heard it said, but I say. You have heard it said, do not commit adultery, but I say. You've heard it said, do not commit murder, but I say. And when Jesus says, but I say, he's not saying that's an old law and I've got something different for you. He said, this is what you're sticking to, but I'm going to communicate The heart of it for you to really grab hold of and appreciate and live by, and so that's what we've got this morning. I am the Lord your God, you have you will have no other gods before me. And before, there's always a little, um, you know, footnote in your Bibles next to that that says, or besides, you know, no other gods besides me, no other gods. Basically, I am the Lord your God, you will have no others, and that's a challenge. You have heard it said, you will have no other gods, but I say, whatever I've got time for in the next 14 minutes. Good. So I don't want to give too many spoilers, but there's going to be a lot of these Ten Commandments echoed in the New Testament. And so you can obviously read through these uh, Exodus 20, uh, 20, bathe yourself in Exodus 20 over the, over the next few uh, weeks and the next couple of months, really. So that you're familiar with these 10, such that when I say to you, uh, we're doing the 10 commandments, we're on number 4 this time, you'll go, oh, number 4, I'm well familiar with number 4. It's um, yeah, the right, the right one. Um, good. There's loads of references throughout the Old Testament, particularly of, you will have no other gods before me. Uh, Deuteronomy 5, verse 7, Psalm 81, 9. Um, I would read these out, but they basically said, don't have any other gods before me. Uh, Judges 10, 13, Jeremiah 35, 15, Isaiah 45, 5, Deuteronomy 6, 14, um, loads. And in the New Testament, Jesus gives his two golden rules of, you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength, and you'll love your neighbor as yourself. In these two, all of the law and prophets are fulfilled. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength, if you are loving God with everything you are, then you will have no other gods before him. And that's fantastic that we can, it's not a case of having to memorize all the things. I want to make sure that I have no other gods before, before God. So, uh, you know, let's write down all the rules that are going to help me on that. They're going to help with your behavior for sure. But they are not going to help with the heart, soul, mind and strength of the issue. God spoke to Abraham in the history um, and formed his covenant with him. And I want to read the covenant that God um, made with Abraham because it's, uh, I think it's really interesting to know that in the context of, of what we're saying here in terms of the, the Ten Commandments. Abraham was 99 years old. I haven't got the reference up there, I'm afraid. But Abraham was 99 years old when the Lord appeared to him again and said, I am God all-powerful. If you obey me and always do right, I will keep my solemn promise to you and give you more descendants than can be counted. Abraham bowed with his face to the ground and God said, I promise that you will be the father of many nations. That's why I now change your name from Abram to Abraham. Abram meant blessed father or exalted father. Abraham, exalted father of nations. I will give you a lot of descendants, and in the future they will become great nations. Some of them will even be kings. I will always keep the promise I've made to you and your descendants because I am your God and their God. I will give you and them the land in which you are now a foreigner. I will give the whole land of Canaan to your family forever, and I will be their one and only singular God. Abraham, you and all future members of your family must promise to obey me. As the sign that you are keeping this promise, you must circumcise every man and boy in your family. After the meeting today, There will be no circumcisions going on. From now on, your family must circumcise every baby boy when he is eight days old. You must even circumcise any man or boy you have as a slave, both those born in your homes and those you buy from foreigners. This will be a sign that my promise to you will last forever. Any man who isn't circumcised hasn't kept this promise to me and cannot be one of my people. Thankfully, Galatians 3, says, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of his law or by you believing what you have heard? So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Those who have faith are children of Abraham. This promise I've just read out is for us. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. And in Romans 2.28, it says, a person is not a Jew, sorry, a person is not a Jew who is only one outwardly, Nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is circumcision of the heart by the spirit, not by the written code. Such a person's praise is not from other people, but from God. Really interesting then that this um, is not an exclusive promise, covenant between God and his and is then people, because the promise always said, you will bless all nations. It will go out from you. It's bigger than just you. It's your descendants, and there's a blessing for more people. And then in the New Testament, it makes quite clear that actually you are a child of Abraham because you believe. It can be credited to you as righteousness. You share in that promise, fantastic. And also, don't worry about the circumcision thing. It's not a physical thing you need to go through. It's something of the heart, by the Spirit. It is a permanent. yeah, The sense of relief is palpable. It's a it's a permanent mark on you by the Holy Spirit. It is something in in Revelation. You know the uh, the mark of those who um, who believe. I believe, is is something akin to that. There is something permanent, indelible, that endures with us. And a a scar on the heart might be um, a nice way to imagine that. Something that is always, always there with us. So God's promise to Abraham, the covenant to his people, and this was done in the context of the threat being all around, the threat, not just physical threat through wars and armies and, and people coming against them and people living in the land that the Jews then wanted to occupy, you know, pesky residents. And so there was a threat actually of traditions, of other idols, of gods, of, uh, of people um, tainting, diluting, missing out on the heart of the, the one-to-one relationship with God. Because they bring all sorts of other things into it. And that is what God is, is most concerned about. You're going to move into this place. I don't want to lose you. I'm your God. You're my people. I have relationship with you. Imagine God saying that to you now one to one. I don't want to lose you. As you go out into your, into your place and there is, there's these external influences and people are talking to you, trying to get you to sway off the path. I don't want to lose you. I am your God. You'll have no other gods. I don't want to lose you. I love the idea that that one-to-one relationship is like a marriage. I don't want to, I don't want to cheapen it, the relationship between God and, and us. But that exclusivity, that monogamy, that, that I am committing to you Father God, and I know that you want me you know, to do so in a one-to-one relationship. And what's the most extravagant uh, sign of your affection for a person that you can make? It's not, it's not buying flowers or chocolate or jewelry unless that jewelry is a ring and it symbolizes your eternal um, intention, your internal, eternal intent. But even that's not the most extravagant thing you can do. No, you could have a wedding ceremony, and that could be quite extravagant. But that's not the most extravagant thing you could do. The most extravagant thing you can do is to live out a life that shows that you are one-to-one faithful to that one person. That is the most extravagant thing you can do, to dedicate your life to that person. In the BBC, uh, on the BBC website this week, uh, Nellie Graham was celebrating her 100th birthday and she got into the news. Um, and she's in good company, apparently, because her husband, Joe, marked the same milestone last August. Nellie and Joe have uh, been married for 77 years. They met whilst they were at school. Uh, They fell in love, they got married um, in their early 20s, and uh, yeah, so they're celebrating their 77th anniversary, and they're both about 100. That's quite good, isn't it? You'd expect some some people who have been together for that long to know a thing or two. So they were married on the 23rd of September 1942 in the middle of World War II. Uh, This marks their 77th wedding anniversary. And a couple of questions were put to her by this creative journalist What's the secret to such a long and healthy life? Uh, To which she replied, I don't know any secret, just hard work. Thanks, Nelly. That's not the answer we wanted. We wanted kale or something like that that we could actually do easily. Does she have any tips for a long and happy marriage? Brilliant journalism. I hear tell of these ones saying that they never had a row. I couldn't take that in, she says. She's Northern Irish. I'm not doing the accent. Uh there could be a row between my husband and I between now and bedtime. Brilliant. But you always make up. Certainly you do. Certainly you do. That needs to be an Irish, doesn't it? Okay. There could be a row between now and bedtime. There could be. But you always make up. You know, certainly you do. It's a hundred percent with certain with certainty we will get through this. We could have a row. Whoever in their relationship with God has has Well, who has never been one to say, I don't understand where you're going with this, God, or why, God? It's a very biblical question. Why is this happening? Jesus himself wrestled with what he knew God's plans and purposes were for his life in the Garden of Gethsemane. He himself swept drops of blood when he said to God, you know, This is an unbearable cup. This plan that you have for me, but I will go through with it. You know, I'd I'd rather not, but your will be done. And we can ask that question. We can't. Unfortunately, the analogy with the marriage falls down because God is always right, right? I know you might think that the other person thinks that they're always right. You know, great comedy moment. Um, But, and unfortunately, in, in this relationship, Thankfully, not unfortunately. (laughs) Thankfully, God is always right. And we get to wrestle with these things, seeking to know God's heart and intention and purpose for what we're going through. Why am I going through this? Why am I going through this? Living this out then. I'd like to think of this marriage relationship um, in a slightly broader context, and that's us as a community. There's a couple amongst us uh, who are just about to get married. Um, you know, It's one of the favorite things to do for people who are already married, and that's to uh, offer advice, uh, whether it's asked for or not, about how they should go about living their life. Um, actually, it's a really valuable thing to ask people who are in a relationship, who have been in a relationship uh, for some time, to ask them about, you know, what is it, that, what's your experience of, of dealing with, you know, issues on, on money, uh, dealing with issues on bringing up kids and, you know, your attitudes towards uh, your relationship with God, you know, how do you, how do you what, what do you do about these things? And it's great to be able to do that in, in community as we are here. And it's exactly the same with this. Someone embarks on a new relationship with God, with God as their one and only to, for them to be able to come to others and say, how do you read the Bible? You know, I'm, I'm really confused about what I'm reading here. Um, or God says this, how does that impact me uh, today? To be able to wrestle with these things in community with each other is such a precious and wonderful thing. And we have, uh, you know, pre-marriage courses, don't we, where we would get a couple of people together and say, you know, you're about to embark on this relationship, let's consider these things. And uh, who, who here went on a pre-marriage course? Um, just some. Okay. Just a strong relationship, no um no. but they they throw they 're like a hand grenade, they throw in some of the things that you wouldn't have considered, and when you're you know you're young and in love you you're likely to just say, oh, you know that's not us we we're, we're going to be fine we don't yeah we, we've got the same intentions on money and things you know'll we'll we buy me a really nice bike that i've been saving up. we won't buy me a nice bike we <laughs> and you know it's nice to have those those um those things come up before. You are, you know, before you're actually married so that you can check that you're on the same page. But God puts forward a whole history of his communicating his love for us in the Bible. And then it's our job to find out exactly, you know, how he loves us, in what way and what that means for us and capture his heart for us. And you will have no other gods before me is just, it's an encouragement, I think. So I said here that the enduring relationship is the other half of the gospel. Not my own words; might have stolen that. Um, but as we as we embark on this, we, we so often think, you know, someone's made a commitment to Jesus. Excellent, yeah, excellent, cool, good luck with that. And then we just leave them alone. No, no, it's the it's the beginning of the story. It is. Um, the gospel is not the story of conversion. It's the story of that relationship, that ongoing relationship with God. As we introduce others to him, it is not about abandoning them as soon as they have that introduction. It's not like a blind date where we could introduce someone and then you know leave them to it. It is going through that relationship with others in community. And I've said with the Father, through the work of the Son... And by the Holy Spirit, the relationship that we have with God, with the one God, is exemplified in the Trinity. They have a perfect relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we cannot only have a relationship with one aspect of the Trinity. Without the work of Jesus and without his his work in us, his forgiveness, then we have no right to approach Father God. Without the Holy Spirit guiding us, and being his power on earth, then we have no experience of God's love for us. And I think that we can't, we can't go through the 10 commandments and hit that first one where it says about um, having one God without acknowledging the God in three persons and what that means for us. Let's help each other in community. Let's, let's talk about our relationship with God in a way that's very real. Um, I'll be very real and say that actually, right now, I'm not feeling very well. It's come over me uh, this morning. Um, I, I, I woke up and thought, oh, a bit of an icky tummy, you know, a cup of tea will probably sort me out. But no, um, I've, I've really, <laughs> I've quite suffered with it this morning. and thought, I'd, I might even need a bowl next to me just in case. I know, bit graphic? Yeah. Um, if you don't want it, don't come too close. Um, but... You know we can be real with each other, and Jules has prayed for me, and um, others have prayed for me this morning. Having started preaching, I feel so much better than just before. And so, you know, thank you, Lord, that I was able to able to get through um, the time. And I would welcome your prayers because I don't want to be ill over the next few days. You know, I really feel like you know, on the edge of something. Just welcome your prayers, and we can. We've heard so many stories this morning of us going through this relationship with God, having no other God before me, and experiencing his blessing and his mercy on us. So we've got, um, well, no time, uh, which is a, a shame, but um, you know, I wouldn't have cut out anything that we've experienced this morning. I think it's been, been fantastic to, to hear those testimonies particularly but we've got the rest of our lives haven't we it's not about this morning it's not about you know what we commit to now or anything it's but i would i seek to encourage and to challenge each and every one of us that as we live out this first commandment of you will have no other gods before me that we should not do that in isolation that we can share our struggles with that with each other that we are in a place now We're in a community of people here where we can come to another person and say, I'm struggling with this aspect of it. What's your thoughts? Yeah? Which is just an amazing place to be. So I'd love to pray for us all. Father God, I thank you that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you've joined us together as a family, as GCC, that we stand here in this community not just looking after ourselves, but with a hand out into the community, looking after those who are still seeking to know you, Father God. I pray that we would um, love and support those people um, who who need you and who are in need, and we would celebrate when they make a commitment to come into the kingdom. But more than that, that we would join with them where appropriate, and as, as far as possible, we join with them in this relationship with you. Help us all to understand what it means personally to have no other gods, no God before you, to, with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, be single-mindedly pursuing that relationship with you. Welcome your Holy Spirit amongst us now. Help us to identify those areas of our lives where we have been, um, where we've held back from you. I thank you that whether I'm at work, whether I'm at home, whether I'm out on my own, I'm married to a wonderful woman. And I pray that as we live our lives, we will acknowledge that we are wholly and totally, no matter what we're doing, still pursuing you that our whole lives are an act of worship. Father, if there's been any areas of, of our lives that we have um, taken away from, uh, from acknowledging you, that we can't let you into that bit because of you know what goes on, Lord, I just pray that um, by the power of your spirit, you would highlight that to us and we would seek to put that right. The words of the song said that there's no shadow, there's no wall, you'll break those down, there's no lie that um, you won't pursue us through, that your love can't reach us through. And when it's said about the shadow, I just imagined us uh, hiding in the corner of a room, in the dark place, thinking that the dark place might keep us from uh, being exposed to you. But your love, it shines in that room. It illuminates every corner and anything, Father God, that um, we may have t- hidden away from you. Lord, I pray that we would bring that into your light and that we would acknowledge that you are sovereign, you are God, and you are in our lives in, in their entirety. May we not put anything else above you. God spoke these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me.